We're continuing on our theme uh, for this month on courage to discover and develop your potential. I believe every one of us, as the Bible shows us, we are full of potential. Can I hear an amen in the house? Your neighbor is full of potential. You are full of potential. But you see, the issue is not just about having potential, but how to know what God has given you and how to develop what God has given us. This morning, I'm going to use a word that's used quite a lot. Some of you may have heard it. Some might have not heard it. I'm speaking under the subtitle GRIT, G-R-I-T, GRIT, the power of passion and perseverance. I'm using 2 Timothy 1 from verse 1 to verse 7 as our main scripture, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Let me read from verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God, the Father of Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank you. I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I'll be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. Can I hear an amen in the house? Amen. Tell your neighbor, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Tell your other neighbor, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, as I said earlier, we have dedicated this service today to commemorate the youth of 1976, as you saw in the skit here this morning. We believe that youth demonstrated bravery and perseverance in fighting against an unjust system of education. And of course, a lot followed since that time. We are asking ourselves if there are any lesson, lessons that today's youth and the rest of us can draw from the events of the 16th of June, 1976. Of course, we have recently seen our current youth also stand up in many ways. And I believe one of the things fresh on our minds, and we saw it in the skit, is the Fees, Fees Must Fall campaign, who were fighting for their right to free education. This attitude of bravery and perseverance demonstrated by our youth in 1976, even recently, and at other times, is what researchers called GRIT, GRIT. GRIT is simply courage and resolve. 
Grit is simply strength of character. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, grit in the context of behavior is defined as firmness of character or indomitable spirit. So you all remember the 2010 Soccer World Cup as it played here. I think Cameroon was one of the teams that competed. If you remember their nickname, they were called the Indomitable Lions. An indomitable spirit is a spirit that doesn't die. It's a spirit of great strength, resolve, courage, and tenacity. When we read our main text, 2 Timothy 1, verse 1 to 7, Paul wrote this letter to his son, Timothy. And we believe it is befitting for us to use this letter as our main text because Paul is writing to somebody whom he considers his son. Yes, it wasn't his natural son, but a son in the faith. And obviously, he was a young person. When Paul wrote this letter, we are told that he had been imprisoned for the second time under Emperor Nero. This is around 66 and 67 AD. Paul was imprisoned under very difficult circumstances. He was thrown in a cold dungeon, chained like a criminal. And at this time, the many people whom he had as friends had actually abandoned him. In fact, when you read, you'll find when he speaks about how he had been abandoned by a man called Demas. Demas had walked away from Paul. And so Paul is in this prison, treated like a criminal, left there to die. But even in that condition, he had the time to write this letter to Timothy. We also are aware that Paul also knew that his work and mission on earth was done. He actually talked about in chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, how he had run his race. He said, I have finished my course. And he's saying the end of my life is near. We all know that when people come to the end of their life, very often, if they have a chance to address us, they'll often tell us the things that are the most important. And so Paul, in writing this letter to this young man, he had three reasons for writing the letter. Number one, as I said, he was lonely. He had been deserted by those he had helped. None of them was visiting him, people like Demas. Number two, he was writing this letter to Timothy, who at this time was the pastor of the churches in Ephesus. And so in writing the letter to Timothy, he knew that this letter would be passed on to the Ephesian church because he actually wanted to address the church. Thirdly, Paul was also concerned about the welfare of the churches during this time of persecution under Nero. And so he is admonishing Timothy, guard yourself, guard the gospel. Timothy, even if things are hard and difficult, persevere in the work that you're doing. Timothy, even if the environment might not be conducive, keep on preaching. And if necessary, Timothy, suffer for the cause that you have before you. Paul is giving this young man, Timothy, valuable advice on how to succeed in life. I want to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that even if the word grit hadn't been discovered back then or wasn't used, all that Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to have grit. I want you as a young person to have this thing called grit. And Paul goes on a journey and describes Timothy's spiritual journey. He says, you know, Timothy, you come from a good home. You were raised by a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Your grandmother, Louis, taught you the ways of God. And, and your mother, Eunice, 
taught you the ways of God. It's interesting that his father is not mentioned here. Could it be that he came from a single parent home and this woman did such a great job of raising this young man by the name of Timothy? But then Paul says, Timothy, you're a gifted young man. This gift you got, you received it when I laid hands on you. But what I want you to do, Timothy, is to fan into flame the gift that's in you. In other words, develop that gift. Cultivate that gift. Bring it out of you. But then he says, after you fan this gift into flame, Timothy, I also want you to know along with that, you need a certain attitude. You need a certain spirit. An attitude of power, love, and self-discipline. Tell your neighbor, power, power. love, love. and self-discipline. Tell the other one, power, power. Love, love, and self-discipline. Somebody say power, power. Love, love, and self-discipline. What Paul is simply saying to Timothy is this. To succeed in life, not only do you need to be gifted, not only do you need to be talented or learned, as much as all of that is necessary. But you also need other attributes as well, other disciplines as well. You need to be disciplined. You need to be focused. You need to be hardworking. You need to be persevering. And this is what grit is about. As a matter of fact, researchers are telling us today that there is far more to success in life than good pedigree or natural ability or sheer talent. We are told that passion and perseverance, it turns out, matter more than talent or intelligence when it comes to being successful. Well, we know that. I mean, if you go around looking at successful people, you'll find that there's many of them who are extremely successful who may not have had such great talent. If you were to talk to them how they were treated in primary school, they were always the nerd of the class. They were always that guy that the ladies didn't want to have anything to do with. They're always the awkward guy, you know. Every time they did something, they seemed to be awkward. But nonetheless, and they were the ones who were not doing such, you know, not doing so well at school. They didn't get good grades at all, you know. And, and, and so whatever grade they got, they held on to it. But I believe somehow, because of them not being multi-skilled and multi-talented, they had to learn to have focus, perseverance, repeat that class. Those days when you used to repeat at school, Repeat that skull and rewrite again, rewrite again, and don't give up on doing that. Can I hear a good amen? amen? Recently, the Comrades Marathon event took place in the KZN province. And thousands of brave men and brave women participated in this, in this event. You know, it is from this kind of event, oftentimes when we get stories of courage, stories of hard work, Stories of determination, and might I say stories of grit. One of the stories that was trending last week was that of Kolani Luvun. Now I want to read a portion of the article that was written about Kolani. And I'm reading, I quote, Comrades Marathon amputee runner Kolani Luvuno says that running helped him turn his life around. Luvuno, who is a recovering drug addict, and a cancer survivor completed the race on crutches before 4.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, 4.30 p.m. He says that the marathon required a lot of training. I quote, it helped me to turn my life around because I used to be an alcoholic going to parties, 
So I see myself not partying anymore, instead concentrating on my running, end of quote. Tolani had this to say at the finish line, I quote, I wanted to make sure that I finished before cut off time. And my coach said to me, don't rush, because the Comrades Marathon is not for the two kilometers. It's a big race. I want to say thank you to the supporters who cheered me on, en route, as well as the director of the Comrades Marathon for giving me this chance, end of quote. Organizers allowed Luvuno to start five hours early so, so, so as for him to finish before 6 p.m. He started after midnight on crutches. That's Tolani Ray. Tolani may not have crossed the line in record time, in record time when he took part in the Comrades Marathon. But the fact that he did touched and inspired so many of us in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Tolani lost one of his legs in 2010 after suffering from bone marrow cancer. But that did not stop him from taking part in the famous ultramarathon, taking off in the 90-kilometer route from Durban to Peter Marisberg just after midnight to finish at almost just before 1700 hours, 5 p.m., alongside his buddy, Hein Fenter. This means that he didn't qualify for a medal because he started much earlier. But his remarkable feat had chance South African hearts that a petition was created by Anton Bosman. This is what Anton said. He said, Kolani has inspired a nation with courage. His achievement is just what South Africa needs to move forward in unity. He finished a test of the... Yeah, let's give Kolani a hand. Hey. Oh! He finished a test of ultimate human strength, completing the ultimate human race. I feel Kalani has earned his medal beyond any shadow of doubt. So on Wednesday, Bosman confirmed that the petition had been a success as the Comrades Marathon Association granted Kalani an official medal for his part in the race. And there it is. I believe his performance for me Tells us what grit is about. We are told that he crossed the finish. He crossed the finish line 15 minutes before the cut off time. And the question I want to pose to us is this: What is it that we can learn from the youth of 1976? The fees must fall, and from our brother Kolani. And I want to pose this challenge, especially to the youth today, and not exclusively to you. But there's a growing concern about the need for our young people to demonstrate this attitude more often. Many of us in my age group and older and some younger, we can all concur that the South Africa we lived in years ago, in 1976, is not the same South Africa we have today. Much as we may have many problems that are still dogging us as a country, and many things that we could maybe look at them and be negative about, but let's not overlook the positives that are there. That there's an environment that has been created for us to thrive in this nation. Of course, I'm excluding some devious people and some naughty people who want to taint things in our country. But we need to say the freedom that has been gained, the right to education that is there, the fact that we can go to any school and never be discriminated against. 
The fact that we have a government that is doing its best to give opportunities to all of us. And when we see our young people achieve, and when we see them go forward, then we must ask ourselves a question. For the rest of us who are still playing the, the blame game, what is going on with us? Now, I'm South African enough and have traveled enough in our country and I come from township enough to understand that there are people whose starting point is a difficult one. If you've been born in a difficult situation of abject poverty, very often it's very difficult to get out of that, that I understand. But even with that, if people do not show initiative, they will always be locked in a vicious cycle all the time. Even if your achievement might not be much, but this is the attitude of heart and the attitude of spirit that we need to have. Therefore, there is a growing concern that our young people need to demonstrate this attitude more often. Let me quote something. Note this, that this challenge is not exclusively to the youth of South Africa. I don't know if many of you realize that the world over, in many countries, there seems to be a complaint about this. What has happened to today's young people? Let me quote something. An American researcher by the name of Margaret Perils said this, and I quote, Recently, some close friends visited, some close friends visited, both of whom have worked in education with adolescents for over 40 years. We were talking about students in general. And when I asked, what has changed with regards to the character of kids today? In unison, this is what they said, grit, G-R-I-T, and more specifically, lack of grit. There seems to be growing concern among teachers that kids these days are growing soft. I knew you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> when I look, when I took a deeper dive, I find that what my friends have been observing in the field, researchers have also been measuring it in the lab. The role grit plays in success has become a topic of great dis discussion. May I add that we may not lay the blame solely on the young people, by the way, I want to say. But even on us as parents, oftentimes when we didn't challenge our children to have grit. I know myself as a young person and a parent who grew up in those dark days of apartheid. When we all became parents, many of us, we actually felt we need to give the best to our kids, which we should. The one mistake we made is to overcompensate for our children and take away initiative from their hearts. I know you may not like me today, but that's fine. I'm going to talk. So we did everything, and we didn't want our kids to go through difficult times, which is right. But we also didn't want them to go through hard work. We didn't encourage in them a spirit of tenacity and bravery. We didn't tell them that hard work is part and parcel of life. And so what we see today is sometimes that sometimes young people want things to be handed on a platter. Or even when they have been able to achieve, to defect into other things. You know, as I travel and go around the country, some places where you think certain things wouldn't be done, it's a shock to see them being done there. I travel to many, you know, provinces, and, and, and I go a lot to Limpopo. And I won't specifically say where it was, but, you know, I was doing a leadership conference in Limpopo, and I was hosted in, a, I'll tell you, in the Great Letaba region. And I was hosted in a, in a, in a uh, what is it, a lodge not far from where the church was. And, and not far from there was a, was a, was a, was a what you call it, a, what you call it, a tavern. Whatchamacallit. 
you know, and, 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 and fine, you know, we all, everybody, it's fine. But what was a sad thing for me, I think it was a Thursday night, if I'm not wrong, yeah, Thursday night, there was music throughout the night. Throughout the night. Throughout the night. Loud, blaring music throughout the night. I'm telling you, right in, right in Limpopo, right in the semi-rural place. And you know, I was very curious, so I, 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 I had to go and see what's going on. No, 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 no. I didn't say I went in the way. I couldn't believe as I got there the kind of cars that were parked there. Your German cars, and I mean your, your Bimas and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the Mercedes Benz. Of course, the Verpa was also there. And then I realized soon as I checked out that a lot of these young people actually are here in Johannesburg. You know, they came here, they studied, they achieved, did well. And then, but then after they've done well, then they take their money and start doing what they were doing. And I'm looking at all these young people, and they're fairly young, you know. They're all there. And I'm thinking, this is what they're spending their money into. And, and many of them, unfortunately, or some of them, let me say, they have a grandmother like Louis. A grandmother like Eunice who raised them up, who is still living in abject poverty right there in the Mpopo. But instead of helping mom and assisting this woman who worked so hard to raise them up, they rather deflect into something else. And it's not a secret, Barcelona, to see sometimes when we have achieved what we do as young people and prioritize. But the thing is, we need to have grit. Can I have an amen here? And so, as I'm concluding in the next 10 minutes, I want to give you seven keys to developing grit. I'm going to go through them quickly. Seven keys to developing grit. Look at your neighbor who's not saying amen and say, why are you not saying amen? (laughs) Seven keys to developing grit. Number one. Exercise emotional control over negative emotions. In other words, a person with too grit will never give into the list of bad emotions. There's all kinds of emotions that come our way. Anxiety, fear, doubt, guilt, depression, discouragement, jealousy. The Bible again and again tells us to stand against these emotions. You see, to live our life, it's not a matter of mind over matter. But we need to apply ourselves continually and pull down negative emotions. We need to bring down anxiety according to Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not fret or have anxiety over anything. But in every circumstance, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your request known to God. The Bible also tells us to stand against fear. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy in the verse we've read in verse 7. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of cowardice. Of fear. But God has given to us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. See, God has filled your spirit with power and love and a sound mind. Number three, we need to stand against doubt. Number what? No, 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 no. The third thing, I'm still on number one. Maybe I should say A, B, C. I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad you're listening. 
We need not cave into doubt. I'm sitting on number one there. So that's C. Maybe I should say that. We need not to cave into doubt. The Bible tells us in Mark eleven twenty three, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. We need not cave into guilt. The Bible tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Isaiah 53, 25, God says, I, even I, am he who blots out and cancels your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. Wow. We do not, we do not cave in to discouragement. And we need not cave in to all these things that Satan brings away. Okay, let's go to number two. So number one was what? Hello? Pardon? All right. Number two, we need to have bulldog tenacity. You know, I used to have a, a, a bull bulldog many years ago. And I love that dog, but hey, dogs are quite a lot of work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, bull bulldogs and, and some of the other dogs that have known not only we didn't train it to be vicious, but they, they defend the family. And once those bulldogs hold on on you, it's kind of hard to let go. And we need to have that type of tenacity that when you start on a mission, you don't let go. <laughs> Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere. Hebrews 10.36 in the NIV, it says, the last part, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Very often people think that because God is involved, they is involved, they don't need to persevere. But the Bible tells us to persevere. Or as the Bible says, you have need of patience. That word patience actually means steadfastness, constancy, endurance. When you read it in the New Testament, it's the characteristic of a man who has not swerved from their deliberate purpose. In other words, you're setting out to say, this is my purpose, and I'm not going to be swayed from it. This person, this man, this woman, they show loyalty of faith, piety, even in the face of trials and suffering. This is what Paul was telling Timothy. Timothy, it doesn't matter what Nero is doing, continue doing the work that you are supposed to do. Number three, mental discipline. A person with true grit is defined as a person with an indomitable spirit. Which means, in other words, they don't allow themselves to dwell on foolish or negative thinking as opposed to seeking the positive things that God says. See, we need to discipline our minds because often thoughts come our way that tell us we will never be what God wants us to be. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. What we think on is what we finally become in the final analysis. So we must therefore discipline ourselves to break out of our negative thought patterns by filling our minds constantly with what God says about us. God's word is powerful. God's word tells us we can do all things through Christ to strengthen us. God's word tells us that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Number what? 
Number four, we need to have an optimistic outlook in life. You know, we all make a choice either to look at life from a negative perspective or from a positive perspective. Now, as I said earlier, it is true that oftentimes we are born in situations that are less than the best. That sometimes even when you are trying to be optimistic, it's very difficult. And that I accept. However, we need to still face up with those challenges and really work hard and ask God to help us. So very often, we need to choose whether we allow rejection, setbacks, or temporary failures to spoil us, control us, and push us into retreat. All of us will fail at a certain point. All of us will experience rejection. There's always somebody out there who doesn't like you. There's always somebody out there whose agenda is to make you miserable. All of us will have setbacks in life. All of us, we will have failures in life. But you see, we need to make a choice when that happens that we get up and we do it again. Can I hear an amen in the house? Number what? Five, be a finisher. Be a finisher. You see, grit is demonstrated when you have started a project or an assignment and you finish it. Because with all assignments, all visions, all journeys, usually it starts out with a sudden burst of enthusiasm. But then obstacles come. And these obstacles, they slow us down or move us away from our goal. All of us go through those things. And this is why in preaching the gospel, we must never give people an, under, an impression that if you are serving God, you'll never have problems. I don't know where we got that. I just don't know where we got that. When you look at the life of Christ, even with everything that he was doing, he was constantly ridiculed, constantly had to deal with obstacles. In fact, I'm very lucky today. As I'm preaching, you're all saying amen to my sermon. When Jesus was preaching, oftentimes they never said anything. And often there were religious leaders who were in attendance in the crowd trying to point out some doctrinal error or catch him on on a question that he wasn't expecting. But in spite of just Jesus continued preaching. This is why Paul at the end of his life when he talks about his journey in, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight of faith. He didn't say, I fought with people. He said, I have fought for my faith. He says, not only have I fought, I have finished my race. And I have kept the faith. Number six, don't complain about your circumstances. Instead, create the ones you want. We may not necessarily be responsible for where we were born, where we were placed, but certainly moving forward in our lives, we need to take that responsibility. What I'm trying to say is that your circumstances don't determine your destiny. Your circumstances are only a reflection of your current location. <laughs> but it is what you are doing that determines where you are going. Can I hear an amen? You see, circumstances always change. The circumstances are like the weather. Things always change. I'm sure you've realized that you've had bad days, but after that bad day, a good day came. 
yeah. So if you, if, you, if you hang your life on circumstances and allow your life to be ruled by circumstances, you're going to have problems. Allow God who rules your life. In Malachi 3.6, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13.8 talks about Jesus. He says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, in this changing world, we have a God who doesn't change. Even if the world changes, God doesn't change in his love towards you. He doesn't change in his power towards you. God doesn't change in his attitude towards you. God doesn't change in the way he accepts you. That though the world around me is changing, there's a God who will always hold me up. And he'll make me move forward in life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And in conclusion, learn to use the power of your words. True grit talks while others are just walking. People say talk is cheap. But when we read the Bible, the Bible says you'll have what you say. Learn to say what God says over your life. Learn to speak over your life the word of God. See, when you look at people who achieved much in their lives, there are those who set out to say what they wanted to become. Joseph spoke about it in Genesis 39 that one day he's going to rule over his family. And it did happen. Though he was a dreamer, he talked about where God was taking him. And you and I, we need to make sure we speak over our lives. So speak over your life. Say what God says about you. Say where you want to go in your life and demonstrate true grit. Now I want to conclude with this. You know, every one of us, how I wish we could understand the way God has made us. You have a fighting spirit on the inside of you. It's an inborn spirit. Nobody wants to teach you. To have that spirit. When I say a fighting spirit, I'm saying you have a heart in you, a spirit in you, wherein you want to see your life move forward. When something has defeated you, you want to go back and try again because you know that you are able to do it. Instead of us yielding to a passive spirit, yielding to a spirit that talks of luck and coincidence, let's rather get back on that path. Why? Because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads, please, and join me in a time of prayer? Our heads bowed, please, our eyes closed. If you could have people, please, not moving around at this time. I want to make an invitation right now because I know that there are those who are here today who as you have been listening to the preaching of God's word maybe when you look at your life you feel you know what my life is really not pleasing before God you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ as savior and lord of your life and say lord I give you my life because you see it all starts With God working in our hearts, working in our lives, changing us, forgiving us of our wrong, making us to be his own children. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to take time just to pray with you, wherever you are, as you invite Christ into your life and you say, Jesus, would you come into my life and make me a child of God?
If you are there and you say, please pray for me, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I'd like to pray for you right where you are. Just raise your hand. And as you raise that hand, you are indicating, I want to invite Christ in my life for him to come into my heart and be the Savior and Lord of my life. Just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you for those hands. May I ask the people who raise their hands, would you kindly please just stand on your feet right where you are? If you raised your hand, just stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. Just stand on your feet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. These are people who have true grit. Oh, yeah. You see, it all starts with us making that decision to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. All right. I want to pray with all of you who are standing, even the person right at the back there. I want to